Don't participate half-heartedly or use work that you have not yet edited or assume that there is a less talented writing pool participating in the contest. You should prepare for the competition assuming everyone else is taking the process just as seriously as you are. Ran Walker. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee Esses. And we are very excited to welcome Rebecca Van Lair. She is with Reedsy, and she agreed to come and speak with us about what their writing contests are like and some of the judging and participating she's done in writing contests. So welcome, Rebecca. Thanks very much, Lee and Lee. <laughs> so, Rebecca, tell us a little bit about yourself, your work with Reedsy, and your roles within that company. Yeah, so I'm an author, and I am also a member of the marketing team at Reedsy, where I'm a copywriter. In my case, a big part of my job is creating resources for authors. So we have a little ebook on querying. We have various templates for novel writing. So I create a lot of those as well as work on our copy more generally. And in addition to that, I am a judge for our weekly writing prompts contest where participants get five writing prompts on a Friday and have one week to write a short story in response to them. So always a fun Friday project to judge the prior week's contest entry. And by morning, when I am not working at Reedsy, I write fiction. I study in the MFA program at Boston University. I have a novella called How to Adjust to Dark and try to make time for that um, as schedule allows. So as I was talking with some people who are not as embedded in the writing community, they didn't have a full idea of what Reedsy was. So can you tell us a little bit more about what they do and how they serve the writing community? Yeah. In short, Reedsy is a hub of resources for authors. So I think for some, we're best known for our marketplace, which is a place where writers can meet top publishing professionals, mostly with experience in big five publishing, who can help you edit your book or your query letter, and if you're self-publishing, to design and market. But beyond the marketplace, we also have a blog with a ton of resources for writers for 50 free writing courses and one premium how to write a novel course. We have a free writing app, the Readsy Book Editor, and we're also home to prompts. So you can subscribe and get those writing prompts each week for a creative wake up call, whether or not you want to ultimately enter the contest within the following seven days. It's always a place where you can turn for more ideas and inspiration. I love that creative wake up call. That makes me giggle because I've been there. I feel that and writing prompts are a super helpful tool in order to stir the imagination. But creative wake up call, I'm going to have to use that in the future. <laughs> yes, nothing like just a little sentence to kind of kickstart your writing if you're not working on any particular project to just see what your imagination offers you that day. So having a repository of thousands can be really helpful. Can you tell us how you got started in writing and in the industry working for Reedsy? Yeah, so I have been a writer for as long as I can remember. I studied creative writing as an undergraduate and then also in graduate school. And during that period, when I was at Boston University, I interned for Agni Magazine, which got me on a path to guest editing and reading for other magazines, which I still do now. And for a long time, I was in academia, working at various college writing centers after grad school. And eventually, I started transitioning into the world of marketing and worked at an agency for a couple of years. 
which was really illuminating getting to write copy for CBD and shampoos and coffee. Um, but <laughs> when I saw the opportunity at Readsy to take some of the skills I developed, which are to me a kind of creative writing skill and implement them for an audience of other authors and writers, I felt like a good fit to get to primarily write to help other writers figure out what they can do differently in their creative practice or on the professional publishing oriented side of things. I've been working for Beats Beat for a little over a year at this point. Nice. It definitely sounds like an interesting journey just going from grad school to teaching there and then all the way outside of the writing world and then back into it. Yes. Yeah. And I think that for many people who get graduate degrees, MFAs and PhDs, um, both of which I get, you kind of on the other end wonder, okay, what am I actually supposed to do now? Um, <laughs> since professorships are few and far between. But yeah, this is a happy place in terms of my personal interests and the skills I developed on that winding little journey. So we have several listeners submit questions about writing contests and how they can get involved in the best practices. Our first question is from our listener, Kayla, who asked, when viewing different pieces, what makes a specific piece stand out compared to others? So one thing that I'm always looking for in a story is something that establishes its stakes fairly quickly. It can be really hard to let readers know what your story is about, what conflict your characters are facing. And many authors spend a lot of time in description or scene setting before we discover what the story is about. Sometimes that doesn't happen until the end. But if you're able to grab the reader and tell them, like, this is the journey we're on, this is the conflict that we're following within the first couple of paragraphs or first couple pages, then that keeps them reading through to the end. And just a reality for either judging contests or reading for a literary magazine is that you're typically reading a lot of pieces. So yeah, something that hooks your attention earlier on in terms of its narrative structure is something I'm always looking for. But beyond that, I'm also always looking for beautiful, interesting, engaging, or surprising writing. Something where it feels like the author's voice can really be heard and a lot of love has been put into the prose. So some combination of those two things. And if there's only the voice, even if I don't know the stakes, I'll still be excited to keep reading. We had another listener. Uh, his name is Hazim, and he asked, does the prompt need to be answered by a full short story or would a scene from a short story do? So the Reedsy prompts contest, uh, entries have to be between 1,000 and 3,000 words. And what it takes for a piece to feel complete within that 1,000 to 3,000 words, I think there was a lot of variation. You know, in a recent contest we had, it was based on letters or epistolary writing. So just one really compelling letter might not be a traditional short story with a clear setting, two characters at least, rising action, resolution, but it could still be satisfying and answer the prompt. There could also be the problem of having um, written a much longer short story in your first draft and needing to excerpt it to say under that 3,000 words. But overall, a scene in and of itself would need to be satisfying enough to the reader. Something would need to happen or it would need to go somewhere. Things would need to be different at the end than they were at the beginning. And as long as it satisfies that criteria, I think that is a full short story, even if it's only a thousand words long, or even if it only looks like a letter on the page. That makes sense. Just stick with that problem solution recipe to make sure that they get the beginning and the end in there. Yeah. Our next question comes from Sarah. 
I'm curious whether you think these contests are worth entering in general. I've had a couple friends who I felt were terrific writers enter at least a dozen of these with no results. I know entry fees aren't very much, but I hate to throw money away on something I have virtually no chance of winning. Any thoughts? I think it's really worth considering what your goal for entering a contest is and what your budget is to achieve that goal. So the Read the Prompts contest costs $5 to enter. So you could enter it a dozen times, but some contests cost up to $25 or even more to enter. So if you're entering a dozen contests at that price point and spending $300, that could start to feel like, okay, I'm, even if I was like runner up at one of these, I wouldn't win. So if the goal is a return on your investment, then you have to kind of budget for that. But there are other reasons to enter contests besides making money. <laughs> for the Reezy Props contest, I think one of them is the challenge and the creative kickstart you can give yourself by writing and submitting something within a condensed period of time, seven days, just kind of proving to yourself, okay, I can write words, I can tell stories, I can polish a piece, I can send it off. I think there's something energizing and valuable of that in and of itself. Also, when you enter the contest, your submission is readable to other participants. So you can get feedback and have conversation and build your audience outside of whether or not you ultimately win the contest. If your goal is really to get a prize that's going to raise your profile as an author, that's going to elevate your writing resume because you are querying agents or you're applying to graduate school or give you a good connection with the judge if you're to win, then that's another goal. And it can definitely take time and persistence and also your best work to win a contest. It's just a question on what investment you're willing to make for not exactly the gamble, but going up against the odds of a bunch of very, very talented writers entering some super prestigious contests like Plushers Emerging Writers Contest, for example. So yeah, what are your goals? What's your budget? And will you be upset if you spend that budget and do not win? Will you still get something out of the experience? Do you have a rule of thumb that you would advise authors look for as far as entry fee versus prize money? That's an interesting question. I've never thought about that exact calculus. But certainly if the entry fee is $25 and the prize is $250, then you might think, hmm, okay, so if 10 writers enter this contest and they've basically paid for the prize package, I definitely don't have a rule of thumb, but it's something that I would consider and look at. Because again, the payoff isn't necessarily just in the prize money. There are so many other things that can come with a contest, including publication in a particular journal that might have a wide circulation and expose you to more readership. It might include an agent consultation, so it could open doors in your career in that way. It might include tuition to a fancy summer writing workshop. So the totality of the prize package could be a little bit different, and what it will do for your career outside of money could be a little bit different too. That makes sense. How do you advise authors find motivation to write stories for contests? According to listener Nate, he's usually so embroiled in his own projects that to step away from that would feel almost blasphemous. And the timing hasn't really worked out where the contest pops up between writing manuscripts. How do you advise he balances that? Well, you don't have to enter contests if you're working on a long-term project and your energy is best spent there. I say sometimes don't pressure yourself. Take breaks from writing entirely. Read, walk, and enjoy your life. 
However, if you're at a stuck place in your manuscript, I think that's a great opportunity to change your frame of mind by working on something else. So something like the prompts contest where we run it every week throughout the year, and there's always that seven day turnaround, you know, okay, I'm not going to lose more than a week of my writing time. I'm going to get my mind off what I've been doing. And I'm going to develop my craft skills in a different way by working on something else. So I think it can actually help you to recharge to work on a separate project for a little bit of time. And maybe it turns into a finished piece that you're ready to submit to a contest. Perhaps it doesn't. But the experience of writing toward a different goal, I think, can actually be quite refreshing. So that's the Reezy Prompt Contest, which is, as I said, throughout the year. And me as a writer, I do find that if I'm working on a longer book length project, that writing short stories or, you know, cheating on my <laughs> manuscript with short stories can be something really enjoyable. It also can provide a more immediate win because it's easier to publish a short story than a book. So that's something else to keep in mind. Like it might feel blasphemous, but it can also feel like, okay, this is a goalpost. This is a story that I can finish and that is checked off my to-do list even if the book might not be checked off my to-do list for another year or two years or seven years, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I think for writers like myself, who I really struggle to make it through those books that I have a lot of investment in, like my fantasy where I have a lot of world building and I, I get in my own head about it. For me, writing short stories in the in-between keeps me writing, but also shows me that, look, I can finish a story, I can accomplish the goals, and I don't have to get so in my head about making it perfect, because that perfection or the work towards that will come later when I'm done writing the book. Yeah, it feels really good to finish things. And a <laughs> thousand word or a three thousand word short story, you can finish. Another thing that I would offer is that if you are creatively stuck, you could also, for example, use a prompt or a contest to explore one character or one scene in your longer ongoing project. So I did the Kenyan Review writing workshop last summer, and I wrote mostly fresh material in response to the prompts because it's a very generative workshop. But some people use the prompts, each one of them, to give them new insight into an ongoing project. So thinking about a prompt that way and seeing what it helps you learn about what you're already working on is certainly another way that you can use them. Yeah, I was just thinking about my own writing journey and when those gaps happen as far as working on a manuscript. One of the things that we advise on the podcast is that everyone takes a mental break about a quarter of the way through the self-editing process to sort of mm -hmm. reset between author to editor and audience. I feel like that reset break that we advise a lot of people to take, we say generally about two weeks, participating in one of these contests sounds like it would be a great way to get unstuck, as you were saying. Yeah, I think that we really do need perspective on our writing. And Tom Bromley, the instructor of our novel writing course at Reedsy, um, recommends that after you finish your first draft, you just put it in a drawer for at least four weeks. So that you've had some time to live and experience and think outside of the context of being laser focused on that novel before you go back to looking at it. So when you're taking breaks like that, you might still want to write. Let's get into some of our other questions. Most of these are questions that we've seen asked a couple of different times on the forums or one of our listeners wanted to remain anonymous or things that we think people would want to know. So the first question that we have 
is what kinds of contests are out there. We've talked mostly so far about short story contests through Readsy, but there's a lot more in that world. Yeah, there are contests for every genre of writing imaginable and every kind of manuscript imaginable. So if you have a book-length manuscript that you're looking to publish outside of the context of querying and getting an agent or self-publishing, there are a ton of book contests, whether that's for novels. It's very, very common for poetry manuscripts. I think actually the most common way that people tend to publish their first poetry book. And of course, for short story collections, for essay collections, for romance novels, all kinds of book contests. So that's kind of its own category if you have a finished manuscript. If you're on the way to a finished manuscript, there are prizes for book chapters. So you could always consider submitting part of something that you're already working on. If you are that writer who's in the position of not being able to take a break from it, you could just really polish one chapter or one excerpt and get a little bit of momentum for your novel that way. And then there are genre contests for individual writing genres, whether that's short stories, essays, poetry, hybrid writing, screenplays, flash fiction. You'll find niche contests for all of those different genres that you might be experimenting with or might want to experiment with. Hmm. And some could be open to writers in every genre, fantasy, horror, romance, mystery, and beyond. And some might have more of a literary focus. Since so many writing contests are hosted at magazines that are run at universities, Plowshares out of Emerson College or Agni out of Boston University where I worked, so on and so forth, every MFA program has one there might be a little bit of a literary focus, even if in some cases the readers might also be very open to speculative work or work that leans into elements of horror, so on and so forth. I think the biggest question for a lot of people looking into contests is how do you know which ones are reputable and which ones are a waste of time? Yeah, I think this is a great question. You don't want to enter a contest that's going to waste your time. The first contest I won was a chapbook contest for a short poetry chapbook by a press that never published the chapbook. So there was an entry fee there. There was an expectation of something being published that never was. And I was a very young writer at that point where there weren't as many tools and author resources at that point that helped you gauge it. You just look at the website and you think, okay, looks like a contest. (laughs) They've published stuff in the past. It'll probably be fine. Now, one thing that you can do is look at Reedsy's directory of writing contests. So we do vet all of these contests and look at their guidelines, look at their history of publishing, what they say they will publish, so on and so forth. So if it's in our directory of writing contests, then you can rest assured, but it's legit to enter. There are plenty of writing contests that may not be in our directory yet, although we're always adding to it. I think that, again, it's a question of what is the track record of this contest? Is it a brand new contest? If it is a brand new contest, who is sponsoring it? What organizations are associated with it? Who is the guest judge? Are they someone who you have heard of and who is also boosting it on their own social media so you know their involvement is legitimate? You can check for things like that. And you can also look to see if it is an established contest, if you can find the magazine or the anthology that might be associated with the contest for purchase at your place of choice. So definitely doing a little bit of research if you're not sure is something that I recommend, especially if the contest is not hosted at a recognizable institution, whether that's a nonprofit, a literary magazine, an organization like Reedsy, so on and so forth. 
Are there certain red flags in what they do that an author should look out for? If they're running a contest this year, if they're running the 2023 novel excerpt contest, can you find the 2022 winner? If not, that is a problem. If it's a book contest and they're running the 2023 book contest for publication in 2024, but you can't find any books from that press for the past couple of years, that is definitely something to look at. So really just looking at the history of past winners and making sure that those exist seem to be coming out and being published and accessible on their website and in their store. I think that that's really important. But you could also, of course, look on Twitter and search the contest to see if people have actively complained about it, because that can also be a way that these things come to light. That makes sense. What should an author expect when they are entering a writing contest? So the author should definitely look at what the contest says they will do. In the case of the Reezy Prompts contest, we will judge entries in the week following the submission. So there will be a short turnaround time. But otherwise, you should expect generally a long wait. You might submit a piece you're very excited about and wait six months or more for them to go through the process of reading, having multiple readers read each entry, shortlist, pass them on to the guest judge, so on and so forth. You should also expect that you will not receive any feedback, that you'll either get a notification that you've been shortlisted or nothing. And I would say you should expect that you'll hear who the winner is when they've been announced, that you'll expect either uh, accept or decline. But increasingly, I do see authors complaining a lot that a lot of contests aren't bothering to notify entrants if they have not won, that they just kind of say, okay, here's the winner, everyone else, you can now assume you've lost. So the communication around it, because so many contests and journals are run by volunteer teams, might not be great. So I think that can add an extra layer of disappointment if you do feel that you're spending a lot of money on these submissions. So it's good to kind of go in knowing, okay, really nothing might come of this. There really might be very, very little communication around if I'm not the winner of this contest. And you should also expect it to be competitive, as in the quote that you read at the top of the episode. Yeah, people who are entering multiple contests, spending money on the entry fees, are bringing their A-game and submitting their best work. Are there specific things that an author can do to give themselves the best chance of winning? You mentioned earlier about starting off with a bang and having that full complete story in something short, but are there things outside of the story itself specifically that they can do to make sure they stand out? Yeah, I think one thing that a lot of authors don't do is take the time to read each of the journals or, or venues that they're submitting to. You can make a list of 20 and feel like, okay, well, I have one story. I don't want to read two or three stories from each of these, read 60 stories before I submit it. But there's something incredibly valuable in that in getting a taste of what the readers at the journal or contest typically gravitate to. So if you're interested in sending a story to read the prompts, our literary magazine Prompted has two issues so far and we're coming. And those are available for free online so you can get a real sense of our favorite winning stories from the last couple of years. And likewise, if you're entering a contest through a magazine, just looking at who they've published in the past, what the stories are like, you'll get a sense of what work the readers gravitate toward. And that can help you choose what to send. Not to change your style or try to copy anything, but just to have a sense of whether your work is a genuine fit before you invest the time, the money, and the emotional energy in the contest. 
So that's preparation work that you can do at any time. Beyond the story, there are the guidelines for the contest. So at ReadZ, we disqualify stories that fall outside of our word count limit. There could also be stories that have been previously published, which we can't consider, even if it's just on your blog. There could be AI-generated writing, which is something that we screen our shortlist entries for, because right now we want author-generated work, and I think that that continues to be the case for most contests. Although there are a few exceptions to that, venues that might be open to writers who are working with AI tools. And beyond that, in the guidelines, there's the, the story you submit, and there's also often a cover letter. So following kind of best practices and staying professional in the context of the cover letter can be important too. So if you could talk a little more about that cover letter, I've seen a lot of people say that they hide personality elements, like the fact that they're a teen or part of a minority group or whatever, because they don't want to be judged on who they are. They want the story to be judged on what it is. So do you advise that authors let their writing stand for itself or that they share these things and struggles that they've had as a writer to get to this point? Hopefully most of the contests you're submitting to are judged blind. So even if there is a cover letter attached, it's being consulted a little bit after your work has been judged blind without your name on it. Although there's no way to know. Which isn't to say that I think that you need to be afraid of expressing who you are in your cover letter. If you're a teen, you technically shouldn't enter the contest because it's only open to people 18 and up, and that's a guideline you should follow. But yeah, I think that sharing a little bit about your identity is definitely not inappropriate. And I don't think it will bias professional readers who have often applied to these opportunities they're sought after from judging your work on its own merits. I think where people go wrong in cover letters is more in terms of providing unnecessary information or sometimes just saying things about their own work that can sound a little bit conceited or arrogant or overblown. Or I, as a fiction reader for a tri-quarterly, once in a while see a letter that's a little bit confrontational. And I'm sure your listeners on literary Twitter have seen editors kind of screenshot inappropriate cover letters. So Keeping it concise and professional, I think, is what's expected. And when you start to write a lot about the content of the story and what you're aiming to achieve with it or how wonderful you think it is, then that's where you can start to go a little bit astray. You need to leave the reader space to make their own judgment about the story itself. So what does go into a cover letter? So it starts with a salutation, you know, dear editors. If I'm able to, I often look at the journal's masthead to get a sense of who the editor-in-chief, the managing editor, and the fiction editors are if I'm submitting short stories so that I'm you know, showing that I've done the research to know their names and put those into the little box, which if someone does not do that, it's not a mark against them, but seeing that extra level of care that someone has looked around the journal a little bit, that can be a good start. Or you can just say, dear editors. Then you say the piece you're writing to submit. You know, I'm writing to submit my short story. And then you typically provide in parentheses the estimated word count of the piece so that the reader has a sense that it fits into the guidelines at a glance. And also they kind of know what they're gearing up for, whether they're reading flash fiction or they're reading a little bit of a tome. So that's the next part. And you can say a few nice things about the journal, the contest, the judge, Although I'd be careful about that um, because a lot of people who aren't the judge will read it first. 
And then after that, you should have a short biography, which includes your relevant professional history, whether that's school, prior publications, workshops or study that you've done. It might not be any of that. It might just be what got you started writing. And that's also an appropriate place to include anything about your identity that is central to understanding your work that you'd like the reader to know. So some of those things that you asked about including um, could certainly belong in the biography there. And then a polite sign off, like, thank you so much for considering. Thanks so much for your attention. So pretty simple. And fairly short, I assume. Yes, I, I talked about it for quite some time, but I think that in practice, it should be definitely under 300 words, even if you published in 20 magazines, which, wow, congratulations. But you should highlight no more than maybe five of your past achievements to, again, let the reader confront and interpret and experience the story without necessarily knowing your entire resume. So as we talk a little bit about the etiquette of how to address the editors and this and that, are there any other things an author should avoid doing in the etiquette world? I know that it can be frustrating if you're often submitting to contests and magazines, but I don't think you should put in your cover letter something like, does anyone even read these question mark or anything else that's <laughs> along the lines of confrontational. Like, if you don't like this, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> oh, geez. And I'm not saying I've read anything like this. I just see this on Twitter. And I have no doubt that it does happen from time to time when people are really sending out a lot of work and maybe feeling like it is going into the void. It might feel like this is a place to express frustration, but it's not. That, I think, will negatively bias your reader. Again, for a contest, I'm saying I don't think in most cases your cover letter will be read first. This is more for magazine submissions. But I mean, even if it was in a contest submission, you were shortlisted and then people saw that. They might wonder. Um, they might second guess their decision as they move on from a long list to a short list or so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, you should avoid doing anything that you think might be unprofessional. I feel like that's just a good rule of thumb for life. But, you know. Yeah. 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 When it comes to contests, we know that all of them have guidelines. They have structure, whether that is you need to follow one of this set of prompts or how to go about submitting. Do authors need to follow all of those guidelines or are there any that can be broken? I think if you break a guideline, you risk making your work ineligible. So that is a problem. If you are submitting something that really on its face looks like a screenplay to a short story competition, you could just be disqualified, even if you think or feel that you're experimenting with the form or something like that. Length could be disqualifying, putting your name on the document when you're not supposed to because it's blind reading, that could be disqualifying. So I would really try to follow all of the rules because you might think, okay, best case scenario, I stand out, there's something exciting, but more likely your work will be disqualified from the competition. So I would take the guidelines at face value. But wouldn't following all of the rules make me look like everyone else in the competition? <laughs> Hopefully your work and your voice is unique enough to stand out within the context of the rules for the competition. That is certainly the goal that's how you want to stand out. Absolutely. It goes to something that we've said multiple times on this podcast, that 10 people can be given the same exact prompt, and their story that they're going to take from that is going to be wildly different every single time. Yeah. 
within the structure and guidelines of a contest, lean into your writing and let that be your unique voice. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there any case where writers should be reaching out to the judges personally? No. That's for two reasons. If you want the professional official reason, it's that in most cases, if a writer has a personal relationship with the judge, that's actually disqualifying. Contests want to avoid bias. So if you know the judge and are submitting, that is an issue. On the more basic level, no, it's just not going to help you. It could look just unprofessional, especially if you're like, hey, I submitted to this contest you're judging. You absolutely don't want to do that. And if you're just trying to strike up a conversation with them because you admire them and their work and so on and so forth, sure, all writers love to hear that if that is the case. But again, that's something that should be completely separate from your contest submissions and like a different realm and practice in your life. If there's someone you've never heard of before and you're just out of the blue, like binging them, don't do it. So let's say I have this killer short story that I wrote and I really like it. I didn't write it in response to any particular prompt for a writing contest, but I found a couple of different contests that it would qualify under. Can I submit this story to all of them or is it advised I only submit to one in case I win that one, then both sides can't publish it? Yeah, this is something to think about. I think that most journals will have two different policies. They'll have one policy around whether they accept exclusive submissions. That is, they only want you to submit to them or simultaneous submissions where it's okay to submit to multiple venues at once. So check to make sure if you want to submit to multiple places that they accept simultaneous submissions. If you're submitting to the Readsy Prompts Contest, just be aware that your work will go live on Readsy Prompts. So that could count as published work if you're submitting to a contest that only accepts unpublished work. So that's more of a a side for our prompts contests in general. Yeah, so if you are mostly submitting simultaneously to different contests, unpublished work that's not on prompts or anywhere else, that is a-okay. Just keep in mind that once you have an acceptance somewhere or you've won something somewhere, you need to withdraw it from the other venues. So that is the ethics on which simultaneous submissions are based. That if you know it's appearing in one venue, you don't keep it at the others and hope that you get other interest and offers. You go with the first offer. And it's totally okay to submit simultaneously. Just as we talked about, it can be expensive, but there's also a long wait. So I think most writers who really are looking for that contest win will submit to more than one venue simultaneously. You mentioned published, unpublished, and I think you mentioned earlier that even if it's on your own personal blog, it can be counted as published and be disqualified. So can you talk about what counts as unpublished? It's just not something that people can find on the internet. It's not in your Substack. It's not on your blog. It's not on prompts. It is something that exists essentially on your computer and maybe it's an attachment to some emails where you've corresponded with beta readers or editors. But if it's on the internet, that is previously published. And there's a few exceptions. Some contests that are specifically looking for previously published work even to highlight or to promote after journals have disappeared and gone defunct. So you could always submit previously published work in that way. But if they want unpublished work, make sure that no one is going to Google a sentence from that and find it anywhere on the World Wide Web. So submitting to multiple contests at the same time 
going to be usually a long wait, go ahead and do it. The other thing that writers are often tempted to do is to submit to a few contests and also to magazines that they really admire. And just keep in mind that the magazine submission fees are generally going to be a lot lower, maybe free, maybe $3. But it can be a little bit disappointing if you get an acceptance to a magazine and then you have to withdraw from all these contests that you spent money on. Especially if you're only getting paid nothing or like $10 per page from the magazine. So just make sure that if you submit to contests and magazines simultaneously, that you're just as excited about the prospect of being published in those magazines and that a publication there will be something that you're as jazzed about as a contest win so that you don't feel like, oh my God, I wasted all this money. If you do get the exciting news of a magazine acceptance. That's interesting. Like I hadn't really thought about those being super separated, just sort of how they're released. But yeah, that makes sense. Just write two different stories and submit them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just yeah, write yeah. a few more great polished short stories. No big deal. Or yeah. poems. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Rebecca, for joining us for today's episode. We really appreciate the input, the feedback when it comes to writing contests. We hope our listeners are able to take these answers and apply it and find the right contests for them. Yeah, and happy submitting to all of the listeners. It's a fun process. And you'll learn a lot about your writing and how far you can push it in the process. That means that even though everyone on the World Wide Web is getting the same writing prompt, you're adding your own voice to the story when you write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing.